재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Lively conversations about books, arts, and ideas. The Bookend. Join us every Sunday morning from 10 to noon with your host, Jamie Chang. Welcome back to The Bookend. I'm Jamie Chang. If you have comments or suggestions for us, please email us at tbsefmbookend at gmail.com. We'll begin must-read Korean book after a word from our sponsors. We'll begin must-read Korean book after It's Time by Imagine Dragons. What you meant when you said that you would spend. Now it's time to build from the bottom of the pit right to the top. If you've been a fervent bookend fan over the years, you'll recognize this segment. Must Read Korean Book is a segment that has been revived this season to shine a light on underappreciated Korean authors and literature. Joining us today is Sarah Kwan. Sarah is a freelance interpreter who is obsessed about three things in life. Good books, good drinks, stimulating conversations. A glass of wine while discussing an intriguing book is her idea of heaven on earth. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, Jamie. What do you have for us today? Well, uh, do you like children literature? Or? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And do you have a children's book that has touched you in your formative years? The kinds that are written in simplistic words and have pretty pictures, but actually are so philosophical, dark, and even scary, touching subjects like fear of abandonment, narcissism, the reason of existence and death. These are very heavy existential questions that are easier to discuss when they're part of a friendly narrative, especially for children, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And to share a few books that have transformed of how I see the world, those that I read over every five years because they mean different things at different stages, and I will definitely read to my children, as I probably will secretly enjoy them more than they will, mm-hmm. um, are... Uh, the Velveteen Rabbit by Marjorie Williams mm-hmm. and The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Mm-hmm. The Little Prince was a household favorite of mine too, actually. <laughs> you have good taste. <laughs> thank you. So, so uh, do you. <laughs> thank you. Did you know that there is a Korean uh, children's literature writer that is as famous and can write powerful, timeless pieces? Her name is Hwang Sun-mi. Writer Hwang Sun-mi has been a guest on our show many moons ago, but for our listeners who missed out that show, do tell us about the writer. So Hwang Sun-mi, who was born in 1963, is a South Korean author and professor who is best known for her fable, 
the hen who dreamed who could fly, or the Korean title is Madang Daun Amtak. Mm-hmm. That w- that book was such a big hit. Upon its publication in 2000, Madang uh, Daun Amtak, the hen who dreamed she could fly, became an instant classic, remaining on bestseller lists for 10 years, selling over 2 million copies, and was a inspiring, the high-grossing animated film in Korean history. Oh, wow. So it has also been adapted into a comic book, a play, and a musical, and has been translated into 27 languages. The author said in an interview that she based her book about her farmer father's sad and struggling life. Really? I didn't really see the, the struggle of a, of a sad farmer father. I always thought that the book was about finding meaning in life through parenting because that's how the, um, the chicken finds um, the egg and then she becomes a mother and she's fulfilled, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it had a very dark twist at the end. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let's not give it away. <laughs> the Huang's work addresses the intersections between tradition and modernity and ecology and the search for freedom and she is most known for her fantasy work and for international awards she was awarded the best book of the year in poland in 2012 Mm, that's exciting for her and i hear she has a new book out yes uh i was so excited to read her most recent novel that just came out last month Mm mm-hmm so on September 9th, the renowned uh, author had just published her third teen novel, Timse Boys, which is consisted of two words, Timse, which means crack, margin, blind spot. Mm-hmm. So Timse, it's a, it's a word that means spaces that can be a secret or an overlooked area, right? And what does the second half of the title mean? So Boys, uh, mm-hmm. in an interview, she stated it's wordplay about voice and boys Mm -hmm. so the rough translation would be voices of the marginalized or lost boys Mm -hmm. and considering that this is a new publication and there are no translation versions uh been out uh, published or on the internet so the excerpts that i share today are solely mine i i ask for your understanding (laughs) for the audience no no no, no. don't don't apologize for that we're we're all translators here and we're always very excited when another one of us brings in a home translated excerpt so before i go on uh to share a few of my favorite excerpts i shall give you the summary uh, there are four boys about the age of 15, and they have their own dark stories and are from very different backgrounds. But although they do seem very different, they have something in common that they are lonely and come mm-hmm. with a lot of emotional baggage. Mm-hmm. So broken-hearted teens, broken-hearted, troubled teens, it sounds very promising. How do they meet? So they meet at a Punsikjip, which is a Korean fast food restaurant that sells ramen, kimbap, and tteokbokki. Mm-hmm. Nothing that costs over $5. It's really fast to make or just grab and go. Mm-hmm. And this place is called Timse because it's the corner house or the in-between house. Mm. And they slowly become friends. The food that they gulp down symbolizes their state of poverty and the place that they eat and hang out is a rundown restaurant, meaning that they don't really have a place in society mm. and are marginalized. Speaking of affordable dining for impoverished people, the protagonist has an interesting name. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is the Chinese character Mu, uh, uh-huh. which means non-existent. So it's not a very good name that you would choose, right? Mm-hmm, right. So Kim Mu, the protagonist, comes from a single mother and he looks like he's out for trouble. But the novel emphasizes, which is also Hwang min's repeating theme in several books, 
that these troubled children are damaged and hurt by irresponsible and selfish adults and that we need to acknowledge their hurt and embrace them and listen to them with more empathy. Mm -hmm, That's right. Where there's a troubled teen, there's a guardian who's not offering empathy. So what's Moo's story? So Moo was abandoned by his mother twice as a child and since uh, she had him as a teenager. And he also lives with the guilt that he is somehow responsible for his friend's death, who died in an accident. His only pleasure, outlet, and purpose in life is drawing. Mm. So he has a means to express his existential pain. Mm-hmm. So to share some excerpts about Mu when he first tracks down his biological father and is watching him from a distance. So page 23. I couldn't breathe when I first encountered him. I always thought myself to be a more cold-blooded animal. So I thought I would be able to keep a cool head. But in reality, I was panicking, flustered, and heart beating in my ears. This would be the ideal time to cry, if I actually could. But my body doesn't know how to. I physically can't. My inability to cry is my scaly armor embedded in my DNA for self-preservation, what my own mother taught me. So on the one hand, I think it's very, very sad that he physically can't cry, but that's also very telling of how he was raised. Repression for him was, it sounds like it was a a survival tactic for him, right? Mm -hmm. It's very sad. Mm -hmm. Do you have an excerpt that tells us more about... um, his parent, his mother, who mm-hmm. taught him how to not cry. <laughs> yes, a lot of self-hate. Um, another excerpt of Mu's monologue of what he thinks of his parents is in page uh, 40, uh, 84. I know I was an unwanted child. I did not ask to be born into this. If there is someone to blame, it's the 17-year-old love-stricken stupid girl and irresponsible college student. Why do I have to suffer through the consequences of their actions when they are not a bit remorseful? No matter how much I feel this is utterly unfair, it doesn't change a thing. The feeling of despair, I can't change anything, is ironically what keeps me going. The sense of despair keeps him going. I wonder what that's like. So... The will to live is generated by by his anger that his parents made this very, very um, he calls it stupid decision, and then and then he has to live through the consequences of it, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's a lot of hate that is energy. yeah, that is a lot of hate that mm-hmm. that sort of fuels his his um his art, I imagine too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's expressed through his art a lot, mm-hmm. which I think is very productive in right. a sense, right? Well, there's so many other ways to express your hatred and anger toward your parents than art. (laughs) (laughs) Like writing also. Wait, did you just say writing? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. That's, um, yeah, that's, I think, a very good reason why a lot of people write. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So is this sense of despair something that we see throughout the book? Yes, it goes on and on. Uh, This deep sense of abandonment and despair is well expressed in Tim Seboy's. Um, the whispers of these adolescents are pretty much screams for help once you read their monologues. Mm. I hope someone hears their cries for help and comes to their rescue at some point in this book, even if the rescue 
turns out to be a lifelong process. I think otherwise it would make for a very, very sad book about very sad boys. Like, is there a mentor in there somewhere? Not actually, not okay. actually. But um, mm-hmm. I think the author tried to write this book in the sense of trying to show that there is hope in the end mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. they take control of their own lives. Mm-hmm. But then again, Hwang Sun-mi is known for not writing happy endings. No, <laughs> it's not an happy ending. Yes. Right, right. So on that note, I would like to end this corner and this book by quoting what the author stated in the epilogue. And she explains what inspired her to write the book. Okay. Discomfort and fear is why we choose to ignore these children. They make us uncomfortable, afraid, or annoy just the heck out of us. That is why we distance ourselves as spectators from afar. Although we feel a tad guilty, we are safe. Or there are times when we can't do anything but watch. The feeling we feel then is sorrow. I know that although everyone is someone's family and friend, but we are also fundamentally alone. No one can live your life for you, and you are solely responsible for your life. We painfully learn this the hard way. But I wish these lost souls can have that one person that listens, listens to their stories. Isn't that the closest thing to love? The best thing we can hope for? So one thing that I found really interesting about um, the excerpt that you just read. So um, like you said earlier, this was the writer saying um, directly in the epilogue why she decided to write this book, right? That part where where she says why we choose to ignore these children, she said that um, they make us uncomfortable and that is why we distance ourselves from them, spectators from afar. And then she said, we feel a tad guilty Mm-hmm. We feel guilty, but we are also safe as long as we don't get too close to them. Yeah. So, um, as someone who is not in your adolescence anymore, do you ever like feel that way when you see troubled teens like in the streets? Yeah, um, like just on a subway, and mm-hmm. when you're looking at students that might have problems, or mm-hmm. they look like they have mental disorders, or they have mm-hmm. an outbreak or outburst. Mm-hmm. So you want to help them, mm-hmm. but then you're also afraid that they might attack you or you might get into something that, and you're like five minutes late for a meeting. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, she expressed that also, but mm-hmm. I, I felt that a lot in my life. And right. you do want to help, but you don't have that courage to mm-hmm. reach out for them. Right. So it is discomfort and fear yeah. and self-preservation. Yeah. I also feel like empathy to a stranger is something that is very, very difficult to express, even if you feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because, because you, there's like you're always like five minutes late for something or like you're five minutes away from your appointment. There's always something better to do that's, that's more you oriented. And not of not even if we're busy, like let's say we're not busy, we don't have to go somewhere, but mm-hmm. still like you don't know how that person might react. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, like it's always kind of scary. Mm-hmm. You never know what, what they might do. Right. And there's also like the fear of getting involved. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Absolutely. what yeah, what if they actually get into real trouble and you're the only witness? Oof, yeah. like kind of like a little puppy and like uh-huh. it can't really like you know bring the stray back uh-huh. home because I'm not responsible right, and, yeah. right I think it takes a lot of courage to be empathetic too mm-hmm. but um, the other part that I found interesting was um, she said 
But I wish these lost souls can have that one person that listens, listens to their stories. Isn't that the closest thing to love? Do you think that's true? Do you think the the closest expression of love, like the the truest, rather expression of love, is listening? Absolutely. Um, I think that giving advice and mm-hmm. like talking and trying to give like your piece of wisdom is mm-hmm. a lot easier than just listening mm-hmm. to a person, like you know, right. let out his fears and hurt. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these children oh, just mm-hmm. want that person mm-hmm. to listen to their stories. Right. But then I think as adults, we feel this impulse to try to fix their problems yeah, right, by giving them advice. Do this, do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you're at your most pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. Like, Stay in school. Yeah, study. <laughs> uh-huh. right. Yeah, I, and I think that life would be easier at any age if all of us could have that one person who lovingly listens to our stories and... Unfortunately, not many of us have that person. And in the absence of that one person, there's always therapy. So if you're a troubled teen out there listening to our broadcast today, start saving up for your therapy fund. (laughs) And that's why you have to study and (laughs) get a job. Exactly. You have to study and get a job so you can get therapy. So that you can pay for therapeutic sessions. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, uh, such a warm-hearted author, and I think Hwan Son Mi is someone that remembers how it feels to be young and fragile and mm-hmm. rebellious. Definitely. So, she's a really skilled writer that criticizes the world of the so-called adults uh, through the eyes of the younger generation. So, I would definitely recommend reading her newest book mm-hmm. and her other books for teens and children, even if you're not a teenager anymore. Because there is so much to feel and learn, especially for the adults. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Especially if you're an adult who has a teenage child, I think this is something that will be good for you. Yeah, you forget what what it felt like, how lost you were. Don't you think that's incredible, though, that we forget so quickly what it was like to be an adolescent? It's kind of sad, like after yeah. 10 years, 20 years, and mm-hmm. you're exactly seeing the same situation that you were going through. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're so judgmental and right, you forget exactly. how it feels like. Exactly, exactly. Well, thanks a lot, Sarah, for exposing us to another great Korean author and enjoy your Sunday. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Bye. Coming up next is Life in Lines and David's Bookmark. But first, here's Come On Eileen by Dexy Midnight Runners.